our Savior. If you've been with us uh, for the last couple of weeks, uh, you've known we've been on a series, and the series is entitled Questions, and we are to the final question of our series, save there may be an extra bonus point, but that may come after the end of the year, uh, end of the year. Um, a bonus question, don't you like those extra points? Um, we'll come back to that, but we've seen the question. Uh, today, we're looking at, is Jesus the only way? We have looked at faith versus science. As we've considered these questions, we've said, is there opposition between faith and science? We found that faith, Christian faith, informs and validates science and scientific method. We looked at this question, does God exist? Is there proof of God in the universe around us, in the moral of Uh, law that we find within ourselves, and we found that it is more rational to believe that there is a God than than it is to believe that that there is not a God. We look next at uh, the Bible, and we trust the Bible. So we went back historically and looked at um, the writing of Scripture. We've evaluated against the writing of that time and other times, and we looked at the uh, the, the sheer magnitude of manuscripts in the time, and we looked, and we found from internal and external sources that the Bible is consistent, it is reliable, and it gives us a coherent narrative. And that narrative is of God and what he is doing in interaction with man and how he has provided a way, the narrative of Christ throughout the Scripture. We answered the question, yes, we can trust the Bible. Last week, we answered another question that many people asked. Did Jesus actually exist? And there's been um, a common last 20 to 30 years uh, called the Jesus Method, a common thought, and find it mostly on the Internet and a few books. But we answered the question, did Jesus exist? But more than that, is Jesus God? And we found through historical record that, yes, Jesus did exist. He, he exists, and more than that, that he is indeed is God, not only from his word, but external references looking at that outside of the Word of God, that he did indeed claim to be God, and then through Scripture, how he claimed himself to be God. And the change that happened in the church, these disciples who went from, uh, as one writer said, a non-proselytizing religion to going into all the world and preaching the gospel as Christ had commanded. So we come now to our last question. Let's bow for prayer and ask God's help as we come to this question. Gracious God, by your mercy... By your grace, you've brought us here. And you have superintended our being here to hear this this message, this talk. And you know our thoughts, and you know what has brought us here. You know the questions of our heart. So today, would you guide us by your Holy Spirit into understanding? And then, may we act upon what we heard hear what we know to be true, what we understand by the word of God. May we be doers of this work in our hearts and lives. And so would you, by your grace and mercy, be with us today. May we see who you are. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. My question this morning is, Jesus the only way. It is a determining question 
that is often asked in our pluralistic culture. Um, pluralism it's, it's interesting as a philosophy and a system of thought that recognizes that there is more than one ultimate principle, which seems just on the face of it a little hard. If there's one ultimate, how can there be many ultimate principles? But that is the prevailing thought of our day. Um, and society around us is committed to that pluralistic interpretation. You know, this is different from respect. I believe, and I think many of you, in our culture, in our society, in our nation, to have respect for others who do not have the same philosophy as we do or the same religion. They're free to worship. We have enshrined that in our historic documents of our nation. But pluralism do, carries with it a design and desire to assign every, every ultimate principle all equal weight. In fact, then you hear you have things like this that come out. Oh, not this one. This is the tech, coexist. You have this one, um, coexist. You have all the religions there, and we all coexist together, which at the face value seems to be a good idea. Let's all coexist. But underlining that is that each of these have equal weight. In fact, the idea is that each of these are true. You just choose the one that you would like. And this is what people mean when they say coexist. But then when you say, no, Jesus is the only way, you get a responding question. Why do you Christians say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Why is it that you, why isn't every religion true? Why can't we say everything is true? Why can't we say all roads lead to God? Some might say your truth is your truth and mine is my truth, but all is truth, right? The idea of it, the exclusivity, to be exclusive Jesus only, is not a very popular idea in our culture. It seems very intolerant to say Jesus is the only way to heaven, or Jesus is the only way to God the Father. But if you think about this, if you say, no, all religions are true, you make an absolute statement that also is a, a bit of a problem. You really become next to what we might say is a logical impossibility to say that all religions are true. That's what you mean when all roads lead to God, right? But logically, that doesn't quite always work. See, religions are very different. They have very different teachings, don't they? I don't think I need to explain it to you, but just the idea of who God is or how do you get to God, they're very different teachings. But more than that, they disagree on many different levels. How can all religions be true if they disagree fundamentally on all these different levels? not just a difference of teaching. It's a disagreement there. So it can all still be true? You know, it is more rational to say that all religions are untrue, take the atheist or maybe the agnostic, <clears throat> or to say only one religion is true. But it's not rational to say they're all true. 
let's work through this, kind of understand. I maintain to you today that Christianity coherently answers the questions of the things that we think about. Origins, morality, of suffering, of end of life, and beyond that, of eternity. Christianity answers all of those. And I'll just take just a few, an overview of of some of the others. Uh, Take pantheism. Basically, God is in everything. All is God. Let's work that through. If all is God, we have, um, we have some tr- trouble with that. Plants, rocks, you and me. And if divinity is found in everything, the pantheism can't make sense of good or evil. Mark Clark in his book, The Problem of Evil, says, quotes N.T. Wright. And N.T. Wright says, you really have to try hard to believe that there is divinity in everything, including wasps. And mosquitoes, but no, not mosquitoes. Uh, cancer cells, tsunamis, and, and hurricanes, he writes. It can't cope with evil when everything, including yourself, shares in or lives within divinity. There's no higher court of appeal when something bad happens. Nobody can come and rescue you. We find as a philosophy, as a religion, pantheism is bankrupt. There's, there's no one to help. You help yourself. But we often find ourselves helpless. Look, the, the, the idea of deism, well, there's a God, but this God is aloof and apart. He doesn't have time for me, but there is a God, but not for me. The, the deist God is apart. He has no time for you. He has no time for me. And he also is a separate, apart from our pain. So that... And contradiction does not help us as a philosophy or as a religion. If you go to Islam, Allah is angry. Allah is angry. You read the Quran, the later uh, chapters, the ones that, that are the most, um, I'd say, compelling and uh, most authoritative. It's win followers by the sword. There is no mercy. There is no love with Allah. Only submission. Christianity. The Bible presents a God who created the world. The Bible presents a God who created man and woman to be in relationship with him. Sin marred and continues to mar this relationship. And the scope of the Old Testament presents a God who continually offers a way of salvation, a way of atonement for the sin. And it shows through the Old Testament that it is not enough for man. We never can come to the point where we satisfy, we come into the standard of God. We have to come back year after year in the Jewish system, the Old Testament. And, and, the, and God is using that to make us understand as he begins to unfold prophecy, even from Genesis into the end of the Old Testament, that there would be one who comes And this one would be God himself. And God himself would make a way for humans to come to God. Christianity brings together this understanding that it's an exclusive way because it is better than every other philosophy. It answers the questions that we so long for in our heart of who God is and what is truth. Here it is a God who comes himself. 
it's interesting. In all other religions, there's a prophet that points to how to get to God. In Christianity, God himself comes. And this is how he says, through himself, we get to the Father. He offers himself. So Jesus is the only way. Peter, and you see this in the life of disciples. So uh, Christ ascends to heaven. And very shortly after that, the, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. In chapter 4, Peter and John are uh, called on the carpet, as it were, because they have healed someone. And as Peter begins to speak, he speaks, he hearkens back. He says in verse 11, he, and talking of Jesus, and he references Psalm 118. He is the stone, that's one of the capital's letters are there, which was rejected by you, the builders, the Jewish people, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Look at this. A few short days after Christ had been buried, resurrected, ascended, and now Peter is preaching exclusively salvation through Jesus alone. And just as an addendum, they, they look at Peter and John and they observe that they had been with Jesus. And they were amazed. These men who so unlearned what does he say? There is no other name under heaven by which through we must be saved. Exclusive. Jesus, the only way. But did Jesus teach that? Did he teach that? Was that something uh, later invention by the disciples? And that you may hear sometime. But did he say that? Well, let's go to Jesus' words. John 10, 6 through 11. And you notice here in verse 6, Jesus used, he says, figures of speech. He used, um, he was a master, metaphors, similes. He used all these to help the crowds understand who he was, but they didn't always understand. So he used these things that we've been saying. So Jesus said to him, verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes in only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What is he saying here? I am the door. I'm the only way. G. Campbell Morgan tells a story of uh, travels that he had. And um, he was on a steamer. He ran into uh, probably uh, one of the noted, most noted Bible scholars, Old Testament scholars, on the steamer that he was on, on this, this, this um, voyage across the ocean there. And as he, write, as he, he writes of this, being uh, Adam Smith, uh, Sir, Sir George Adam Smith, he says uh, he was re- re- regaled by many tales of this uh, noted author. And this man had spent, Smith had spent time in, in the, the Holy Land. 
He said one day he was traveling with a guide, Smith did. He came across a shepherd with his sheep, and he fell into conversation with him. The man showed him the fold in which the sheep were led at night, and it consisted of four walls. Here we have a, a circle. Four walls with a way in. And Sir, Sir George said, that's where you go at night? And the shepherd said, yes, that's where we go at night. Um, and they're perfectly safe. And the shepherd said, yes, they are perfectly safe. He said, but there's no door there. Couldn't they wander out? And Sir George said that the shepherd said, I am the door. And this shepherd was not a Christian man. He was actually an Arab-speaking man. He was speaking from an, an Arab shepherd's standpoint. And he said to Sir George, he said, what do you mean by door, door George said. And he said, uh, when the light is gone and all the sheep are inside... I lie in the open space. No sheep goes out but across me. And no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. And is this picture that Jesus gives to the crowds there watching him? He says, I am the door. No one goes in. No one comes into his fold except through him. And no one comes in to steal because he is there. But notice later, the earlier he said in the passage, but they also, once they've come into my fold, they're mine. I, they can come in and out with me because of my leading, and they find pasture they're provided for. And this is how Jesus said in a figure of speech, it's exclusive through him. The only way. If anyone enters through me, he will go in. He will be saved and go in and out to find pasture. Look what he says also, a little more pointed. I am the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? See, in the Old Testament, the prophets wrote about evil shepherds. He was actually speaking of the the spiritual leadership of Israel at the time, the priests, and how evil. And in contrast, because these people knew the Old Testament scripture, contrast, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does not seek to aggrandize himself and take from, from, the, other, from the sheep and enrich himself as they did in the latter part of the kingdom. No, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He sacrifices himself for the sheep. Jesus says, that's what I do. That's who I am. He says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Again, no one comes to the Father but through me. It's exclusive. Jesus is the only way. You know, I talk to many people and most will, as I do, admit that we sin. We admit that, that we have sinned. We are not perfect. We don't do everything right. In fact, in, in biblical language, it uses, uh, God uses the, the example of missing the mark on occasion. We fail to meet the standard. He uses other words to give us understanding that we cannot measure up. or We're rebelling. We're turning away from that. And so sin is inherent within us from the first man to even now we compound it upon ourselves each and every day. And that usually is not the hang-up. The hang-up is 
Is it Jesus? Is he the only one that can forgive me of my sin? Is he that one? And over and over, Jesus says, I am that one. Once we recognize the moral law within us has been given by God, and then we recognize our inability to meet God, to go to God, we must be rescued. We must be reconciled to God. Jesus laid down his life for our sins. He was buried. It was actual death. It was not a swoon. The Roman soldiers made sure of that. It wasn't deception by disciples. It was an actual death. But that death was not the end. He rose from the grave by the power of God in an act which few historical acts have this much corroboration from history and from eyewitnesses. Jesus rose from the grave. He was seen by many. 1 Corinthians 15 details that as Paul writes. But his death on the cross, his resurrection, his death was not needless. His resurrection was with power. His death and resurrection accomplished our salvation. And Jesus calls you. He is the only way. We come and we receive Jesus. This exclusive, this only way, we receive him by faith. We don't trust ourselves. We don't work in and of ourselves. We trust him by faith. Paul, the apostle Paul writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Why? Because we would boast. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is of it is indeed of, of God, of Christ. And friend, if you're here, if you've come for the question series, or you're listening to it at some other later date, and you have not placed your faith in the grace, the saving grace of Jesus Christ, the invitation is yours today. That as we have read in our scripture reading earlier in our service, seek the Lord while he may be found. Don't put it off. Don't leave it to another day. There are many things that distract us in life. It's easy to be distracted by the hypocrites. And yes, some Christians are hypocrites. It's easy to be distracted by preferences or how we worship this way or do that. I don't want this or, or the, the seeming obligations it, it is to be a Christian. Distractions when eternity hangs in the balance. And Jesus is the only way to the Father. So I ask you this morning, has it become your way? Has it become your way? In just a moment, we're going to all close our eyes, bow our heads, we'll eventually sing a song, as we often do in our custom. If you're here and you want to know more about Christ, I invite you to step in the back. Once we bow our heads, Pastor Mark will be back there, others will be back there to 
to show you how to become a Christian. And so if that is that is the need of your heart today, would you act upon it? Let me just say one thing to believers. Because we see this, that Jesus is the only way, and we have, by profession of faith and by the work of God upon the cross, received Christ. We've received salvation. We trusted in faith, and, and that thing that happened in our heart by God's power, we were regenerated. We are changed. But often this, the marvel of the gospel is lost in day-to-day life. We let things get in the way of the gospel. It could be our jobs. It could be people, family, friends, pursuit of pleasure. All of these things, but we step back and see the work of God on our behalf. The marvel that he loved us in such a way that he himself, very God, died for you if you're a believer. And he is your savior. The gospel does not stop at salvation, but it continues that good news. It reverberates as we throw a a stone into a pond. It reverberates throughout all the life of the Christian. It continues, I'll get it up, continues working out its, its power and effect in all of our lives. And the sad fact is when we squelch the work of God that he's doing in our hearts and lives, and we that was for then the gospel, but not now. Maybe you're here as a believer, and that Jesus is the only way. You've come to that knowledge. But it's been a long time since you've taken the opportunity to share it. It's been a long time in which you have I have conformed our lives to the glory of Christ to live out the gospel each and every day. He is your way. He is your way. God, speak into your heart today. Would you respond to him? Let's bow. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are. Father, I pray for hearts who have not come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Who have not exclusively put their trust in Jesus alone. Now, God, I understand it's hard. We turn our back on lots of things that we think are profitable. But in reality, there is no other question. There is no other one of eternal importance than Jesus. So God, I pray by your Holy Spirit for those who respond. And Jesus, I pray that as we see your sacrifice afresh and anew on the cross, we who know you, we who are called your children, may we live in the light of the saving grace of our Savior every day. May the gospel be lived out each day. May we marvel at your love, marvel at your mercy and at your grace. Oh God, may we stop living for ourselves and live for you. Lord, would you speak to our hearts? 
Would you call us into conformity to, to your word and to be like Jesus? May you be seen in us, we who know you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.